pancreatic cancer will afflict over 55,000 people a year in the U.S., often referred to as the silent disease because most people do not experience symptoms until its later stages. Dr. Charles Vollmer is a professor of surgery at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. He is a nationally and internationally respected researcher and thought leader in the field and the immediate past president of the AHPBA, the world's preeminent society of surgeons performing pancreatic surgery. His research focuses on improving pancreatic surgical outcomes, especially in the most impactful problem, pancreatic leaks. Today, we're talking about the Pancreatic Cancer Surgery Center and the Whipple Procedure Program at Penn Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Vollmer. I'm so glad to have you on with us today. Why is pancreatic cancer commonly caught so late and why is it so hard to treat? Well, basically, the problem is that it's caught in the Netherlands of the abdomen. And what I mean by that is it's, it's not obvious uh, externally through palpation or visualization, uh, as other cancers of the body uh, often are, like melanomas or breast cancers and the like. And the second thing is that the only real sign that comes about for most people that is obvious is the onset of jaundice, and that's when the tumor is situated near the common bile duct and gets to the point of uh, blocking that. However, it can take a long time for a tumor from its uh, genesis to get to that point. So it's uh, oftentimes that the tumors are found quite late because they're silent, basically. So, Dr. Vollmer, tell us about the Whipple procedure and Penn's expertise. How does someone go about choosing a surgeon or a program that performs it, and what would you like other providers to know about referring? The Whipple procedure is the largest elective surgery that there is in terms of the scope of the procedure. It's what we would call high-acuity surgery. Dr. Vollmer... So who is this procedure indicated for, and what are some of the clinical contraindications for performing the procedure? So in general, the Whipple procedure means removing the head of the pancreas, the duodenum, and the gallbladder, and it's what's used on the um, uh, front end of the pancreas where the pathology, when the pathology is situated there. Uh, pancreatic resections also happen on the other side of the gland that's called a distal pancreatectomy, and you can even take the whole pancreas out in certain circumstances. Uh, about 50 to 60% of our reasons for pancreatectomy are for malignancy of some sort dominated by adenocarcinoma of the pancreas. So we have a lot of different reasons why someone would come in with a need for a pancreatectomy. The big picture story is at this point in time, there aren't a lot of daunting contraindications to us in terms of physiology. We're able to perform this operation on people who are very, very sick uh, in terms of comorbidity. And there are very few things from a cardiac or pulmonary standpoint that would stop us from proceeding. Age is quite uh, commonly thought of as a problem, let's say, for going to operation. It really is not, it has nothing to do with the patient's uh, numerical age, but more about their physiologic age and their state of uh, wellness, basically, and fitness. So age is, by itself is not a contraindication. One of the things that is a real contraindication for us is metastatic disease. It realistically is something that should not be considered in this day and time uh, as a uh, reason to go forth with the operation. On the other end, we have resectable disease, which is clearly evident that the tumor can come out physically 
through the operative setting. But what's been fascinating for us in this current era is locally advanced or borderline pancreatic tumors. And we're actually a field where that term borderline means we're not sure if it can come out or not completely with a clean margin. And about 30% of the patients who present with this disease have that scenario. And it's become a very, very challenging field for us because we are working with uh, our peers in medical and radiation oncology to try and downstage tumors to make them resectable. And one of the uh, concepts for that is neoadjuvant therapy. The idea is to downsize uh, tumors to get them to the point where we can technically attack them at this point. Well, you certainly did segue into my next question on neoadjuvant therapies. And also, I'd like you, Dr. Vollmer, to speak about follow-up. Yeah, so I'll talk about neoadjuvant and then follow-up with follow-up. Um, so the word adjuvant means additive therapy. That's the, the base of it. And generally, historically, uh, for most cancers, uh, chemotherapy would come after a curative resection of the tumor. There have been other tumors of the body where the paradigm has been shifted, and uh, the chemotherapy and radiation approach would be given preoperatively in a manner to either get tumors to be more amenable for surgery or even improve their uh, survivability thereafter and the outcome oncologically. We in the pancreas have sort of lagged behind with this, but there have been certain centers in the country that for about 25 years now have tried to uh, push this concept of giving the therapy ahead of time. What it does is it provides us an ability to actually see um, uh, the biology of the uh, cancer uh, in real time. So we can treat it in a way, in a form, but we can also find out how aggressive it is in terms of its behavior. If it's going to go on and become very aggressive and, and spread to metastatic disease, we'd like to know that so that we don't do an unnecessary operation that has little value. It's been used more and more frequently, so we use the neoadjuvant approach to figure out if those patients are going to be able to get the surgery and who among them will do the best. It is still in its basic advent or uh, infancy in terms of results and knowledge base about it, but uh, virtually uh, every major center uh, dealing with pancreatic cancer is converting to doing more and more neoadjuvant therapy because it's worked in other uh, places. Now, the other question, I believe, was about follow-up, and I, I think you're talking about thereafter. In terms of follow-up thereafter, um, we basically need to get the patient through the initial storm of the operation. And it's, um, it, this operation uh, takes um, a wallop on a patient. And I tell people it takes about three months to get over the operation to be to the fitness and the feeling of perfectness that you were before the operation. Uh, I used to tell people that was six months back when I was training and when we had patients in the hospital for about three weeks at a time. Now we have patients in the hospital for about a week, and the recovery is about 70 to 80% there when they leave the hospital, and then it's going to take about another three-month period to get to the point of full wellness with that thereafter. And then at that point on, usually about a month after the operation or so, is when we uh, get involved with the medical oncology doctors for cancers and sort of pass the baton of the cancer care to them uh, to take on that, uh, the next uh, phases of the multidisciplinary care. I personally see a patient at uh, 
uh, one month after the operation, uh, four months after the operation, and then a year, and basically checking up on the uh, anatomical and surgical implications of the operation. But in that whole period of time, there's a transition to uh, the oncology uh, expertise that there that goes on thereafter. Dr. Vollmer, what does current research indicate for future developments in treatment? Give us a little blueprint for future research. Okay, so the real future of this is going to be in the genetics of the disease. And what I mean genetics is not inherited uh, genetics as much as the gene um, elements that make cancer um, uh, start and flourish. So um, that's really the future. And what we need more than anything else to win with this disease better than we do now is a good, strong chemotherapy that's effective. Uh, Right now we have things that work, but it's really on a sort of uh, haphazard, hit-or-miss basis whether a patient's going to, uh, uh, whether their tumor is going to respond uh, very well to those therapies. So we really need uh, to be bringing in the work of our basic scientists um, uh, to then be testing new drugs for this. Immunotherapy is a um, situation. We have a lot of that going on here at Penn uh, in terms of the scientific intrigue for it. Um, it's got a lot of promise. It's not quite there for prime time in terms of patient care at this point in time, but that's really, uh, I think, a big uh, promise for the future going on. I think the last thing to size up for you in terms of referral and who should be uh, seeing these patients, uh, I would always say that I think the surgeon in general is sort of the fulcrum point of the decision-making on pancreatic cancer, and we would love to see patients earlier in the process. Uh, In general, many of our patients come to us between four to six weeks after an initial onset of symptoms and our diagnostic maneuvers have uh, come about, and we often see them about three to four doctors into the line of fire. Uh, what we'd like to say is that, you know, the real thing about winning with pancreatic cancer is you need a surgery to uh, remove the tumor to be able to survive. So that very, very important node in the thought process is that you've got to be able to determine if someone is surgically resectable or not. The four surgeons who do pancreatic surgery here have done over 1,500 uh, resections in our career, and we're doing about 200 uh, resections on a yearly basis between the four of us. So we would very much relish to see these patients, and we are very available to see them early and fast. Uh, It takes just a few days to be seen by us rather than weeks. So we're very keen to to, um, help patients with this and and see see your patients to uh, help us. Um, get the efficiencies of their care going faster. Thank you, Dr. Vollmer, so much for sharing your expertise and coming on with us today and explaining this very complex procedure and what is available for patients and when it's important to refer. You've given us some really great information also about the future for pancreatic cancer and the like. So thank you again for that. That wraps up this episode with the experts at Penn Medicine. To refer a patient, please visit penmedicine.org slash refer, or you can call 877-937-PEN. If you found this podcast informative, please share with other providers, share on your social media, and be sure to check out all the other fascinating podcasts in our library. Until next time, I'm Melanie Cole.